0: Hey friends, thanks for listening this week. Um, this is Martha coming to you from my bedroom, still in my jammies at 10:30 in the morning because you know what? We're all at home. And why really get dressed? I don't know, maybe get dressed, but <laughs> that's the state of our lives right now, is it not? Um, I am part of New Legacy Linden and I welcome you to our sermon today. Um, just some quick announcements because of the, um, COVID-19 right now, we will not be doing our Easter egg hunt. Sad. But, um, Riley and On are dreaming up ways that we can equip you to do an Easter egg hunt at home. So stay tuned for that. If New Legacy Linden is your church community, then please continue to give online through our website at www.newlegacylinden.com. We are striving to create a church budget where we give 50% of our missions budget so we can love and serve our community in Linden and go into the world. And no one in our church gets paid. We're all volunteers. Thank you for supporting the mission and vision of New Legacy Linden. I will be continuing today in the series of Matthew, and we will be starting at chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, if you got your Bible out. And you can catch up and listen on our previous recording sermons on the church website or our group at faithlight.com. So let's get started. I'm going to start with a prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we have this media and we are still able to connect as a church through this platform that we can still um, talk to each other and call each other in this time. And I just thank you that you are such a great God that even though this time is stressful and this time is hard, you still speak to us. You still bring us joy. You still bring us peace. You are still right there with, walking with us. And I just thank you for that, and I just ask you to, to um, give me your words for your church and what you want them to understand about your heart. And I just thank you that we have your word to see your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to jump right in. We're Matthew 14, 1 through 12. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a dish the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oath and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a dish and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. So as I was reading this, two questions really came up for me. And one of them is, why is this story important for the reader to know? And what does it mean for me? So let's jump right in on that. So first, why is this passage important in conveying the story that Jesus is the Christ? Remember, Matthew is making a case to the audience that Jesus is the Christ. We have to think of this passage as part of a bigger story. This is the turning point in Jesus' story where he begins to have real persecution. Just the passage before, he was not accepted in his hometown. The Pharisees were questioning him up until now, but soon they are trying to find a way to kill him. And since John the Baptist is making a way for the Christ, here Matthew links yet again the paths of John the Baptist and Jesus. This passage is important because it wraps up the story of John the Baptist, and it gives us the audience insight into the important relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus and Herod. And lastly, Jesus' fate is similar to John the Baptist, as we'll find out later in the story and Herod is a key player in both of their deaths. So I see the story as like a flashback like you would see in a movie, and flashbacks are used in storytelling to fill in crucial backstory about a character or a relationship. Here Matthew is using the story to introduce the audience to Herod Antipas, not to be confused with the Herod the Great who tried to kill the baby Jesus. That was this Herod's dad. Herod is a Roman ruler of Galilee, the area where most of Jesus' ministry took place. Now, Matthew delves into Herod's beliefs as well as his disbeliefs around Jesus and ultimately how he is an instrument in the destruction of both John the Baptist and Jesus. So let's talk about Herod for just a second. Matthew's gospel assumes that the audience has a familiarity of who Herod is. And since we don't, it's helpful that we can go to the gospel of Mark and Luke because they have additional information in their gospels that help us the readers now understand the story better. So, first, you can find this in Mark and Luke. Herod is fearful and intrigued by John the Baptist and Jesus. He understands that they are righteous and holy. And second, Herodias, Herod's new wife, is the one who holds a grudge against John the Baptist. Herod protects him from being killed by her. There are many rumors floating around with the people about who Jesus is. Some say he is John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say he is a reincarnation of Elijah and some say that he's like a prophet of old. So Herod believes that Jesus is John the Baptist raised from the dead, and he tries to see him. Also, Herod likes to listen to John the Baptist, but he is greatly puzzled by his messages. And finally, Herod's oath was ridiculous, alluding to him being drunk and in lust for Herodias's daughter, who had been a little, a girl, like 13. Not in his right mind. Kind of like if someone is showing off to impress others, like he was showing off to impress his dinner guests, but it blows up in his face. So Herod has persecuted John the Baptist for speaking against him, for divorcing his first wife, and then taking his brother's wife, Herodias. So in this passage of Matthew 14:1 through 12, it gives us the account of John's persecution and death, which foreshadows Jesus' persecution and death later in the book of Matthew. This, like many other stories later on in the Bible, show the persecution of those who follow Jesus, just like Peter and Paul, Stephen, and many others. So later on in the book of Matthew, Matthew 27, 11 through 26, Matthew tells the story of Jesus and Pilate. Now Luke's gospel, Luke 23, 1 through 12, adds that Pilate, upon realizing that Jesus was a Galilean and under the jurisdiction of Herod, sends Jesus back to Herod Antipas. And Herod is like super excited to see Jesus, and he's been wanting to see him for a long time, So, and he wants to see his miracles, right? He's super excited because he's heard all these stories. And he wants to see if he is John the Baptist. So Herod asks Jesus a bunch of questions, like it's just a barrage of questions. And then Jesus refuses to give him any answers. So Herod and his soldiers start mocking Jesus and ridiculing Jesus. And then he sends him back to Pilate, eventually to be killed. In this part of the story, Jesus demonstrates um, a lot of patience and perseverance because, and he doesn't fight back. Because he knew it was his time. And he also, being God, he doesn't fight back in conflict. I bet in this time of being at home in quarantine, we could all use a bit of Jesus' peacemaking and patience. (laughs) I know I can. Can I get an amen? Uh, So, on that, Jesus' persecution foreshadows our very own persecution. All who follow Jesus and make him Lord of their life, will endure some form of persecution. Jesus said so himself earlier in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And he, it reads, The student is not above the teacher, nor a ser- servant above his master. It is enough for a student to be like their teachers, and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household. So what does this say? It says we should expect persecution. Jesus said it the best in John fifteen twenty. alludes back to the passage I just read. It reads, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also, and that's John fifteen twenty. So, what do we do? What is Jesus asking us to do when others persecute us? Well, Jesus told us earlier in the book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five forty four through forty five, and I'll read that for you now. And it reads, "But I tell you." Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So what do we do when persecuted for our faith in Jesus? We pray and we love our persecutors. So why do we do it, though? Well, Jesus tells us also in the Sermon of the Mount, even earlier, back in Matthew five, ten through 12. And it reads, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Ah, suffering and persecution equals tested faith and growing faith. The key is right there in the first part of the message of Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, which means you are so blessed. When people persecute you for following Jesus and allowing him to be the Lord of your life, your right living and doing what Jesus asks of you, that is when you know that you have the kingdom of heaven in your heart. Persecution, like in the story we heard just recently about the good soil, tells if you really believe or not. And persecution, like in the story about the hidden treasure and the pearl, tells us if we're in or if we're all in or not, and let me just say this one thing. there is no shame if you find yourself doubting or not sure if you're all in. This is the place we all like to go run and hide, where we see our own sin. But Jesus doesn't use shame. That is someone else. Jesus invites us into healing instead. Jesus says, ooh, yeah, I see that too. And then he invites us, hey, you want to bring that to me? You want some healing for that? You want to talk about that? You want to work it out? That's where he wants to take you. He doesn't want you to run and hide. He wants you to bring that place where you see your own sin and you can say, whoa, Jesus, I need help here. Because persecution and suffering are the places where if you have just a mustard seed of faith and you bring it to Jesus, you can then, or he can then lead you into greater faith, stronger faith, and a place where you can become more like him. Because right believing will equal right behaving, and right behaving will equal righteousness. As your faith grows, so will your righteousness or right behavior, and so will your persecution. But that's a good thing, because if you will let it, persecution will grow your faith. Persecution is a growth accelerator for faith, and to participate In this growth of faith, in and with Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus does. Bring it to him. Now that is growing into the likeness of Jesus. So what does this mean for me in my life? Well, if you love Jesus, if you're following him, You should expect persecution. So be ready for it and know what to do and bring it to our good friend Jesus because his way is the right way, right? I'm pretty sure you're saying it right. So this brings us to the takeaways. And being in this media, we don't get this awesome opportunity to sit around and um, discuss what God's speaking to our hearts. And I think that that probably is one of the best parts of home church is we get to work things out together. I think that our greatest learning about Jesus is when we have discussions about what Jesus is doing in our hearts and we share that with each other and we talk about it. Um, He's really made us to um, commune with him and commune with each other and commune all together. And I really miss that part. So if you have a takeaway, I would love, love, love to hear it. So call me, text me, uh, put it on our what, our Facebook page of Linden, um, New Legacy Linden. way anyway, you can get it to us. We would love to hear your takeaway. So I'm just going to end us in prayer. And I thank you for listening today. Lord Jesus, you're rad. I love you. Thank you that we can still connect. Thank you that you are still Lord of all. And I just asked that you would continue to invite us into a place where we see you for who you are. And we see ourselves for who we are. We have right believing. Because in right believing, man, we will follow you. And I thank you that you are always inviting us there. Please be with us this week. Watch over us and protect us. And heal our hearts, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, friends. Hope to see you soon. Peace out.